and okay i see we are recording i don't think we're live i'm going to pause the recording right now fantastic so we are live i'm going to start going live on instagram at the same time it's checking the connection and now live on facebook live on instagram on instagram the advantage I have is that I can actually see your questions. Uh, if you have any questions, you have any comments. So if you want to be sharing questions, comments, it's on this side. There we go. Find me here on Instagram. Join my live feed on Instagram, and then you can ask me questions. And otherwise, I will just, um, here we go. I will just run you through a few ideas that I would like to share with you. So this week's workshop is about navigating your life like an adult, self-coaching tools. Of course, I've got six hours of content I'll be sharing with you. Today's masterclass, I'd like to share a few ideas that I can sort of cram together in about an hour because uh, there's some ideas that I think are, are, are really helpful when it comes to navigating our life like an adult. First of all, what do I mean about navigating life like an adult? Well, I'm referring to um, transactional analysis, which I'll, I'll explain the basics during the masterclass. The idea is that we can act according to a number of different ego states. One is the adult ego state, which is the one that I'm having right now. So I'm talking to you in a rational way. I'm conscious of my emotions. I'm treating you like an equal. And I'm conscious that you have emotions. You can take my ideas, you can think about it. We can agree, we can agree to disagree. We can argue. Uh, there's, there's simply a relationship of equals. We can also act like a child, the different children, or different, uh, different kinds of children. I'll run through the basics, but the main idea is children want to feel safe and loved. And in order to feel safe and loved, they are dependent on someone making them feel safe and loved. Of course, being dependent on someone is not being independent. And being dependent on someone is, uh, uh, is not a healthy basis for any form of healthy relationship, be it a uh, personal relationship, be it a professional relationship or a relationship within a family, at least when people are, are uh, become adults. And then the third ego state is the ego state of the parent. And the parent is the one who sets the rules who can make children feel loved and safe or unloved and unsafe. And as long as we are acting like children, we're assuming that someone somewhere knows something that we don't and we're dependent on them. We're dependent on them for validation, for their judgment, for, uh, for reassurance, because we are afraid of taking responsibility in our life. Now, there, there, there are a few issues that come with that. Of course, one being that we delegate the responsibility to someone else, assuming that that person actually knows what is best for us. You know, maybe they do. It's usually unlikely. Maybe they do know what's best for us. And also that they have our best intention at heart. Maybe they do. But these are two big maybes. And even if they do know what is best for us and they have our best intention at heart, why would we burden them with the, the responsibility of our decisions? 
So you know the, the, the message when we're in airplanes and they say, in case there's a loss of oxygen, the first thing you should do is put on your own mask before helping other people. This image is really important, I think, when it comes to, to leading our life for a few reasons. First of all, why do we do this? Well, we do it because if we don't put on our own mask and we try to help others, at one point we might be a burden for others. In French, they sometimes talk about the boulet, which is the, uh, what's, what's even the word? It's the, the, the dead weight. We're a dead weight. So we're trying to help others. The others might be independent. So actually trying to help them is just interfering with their capacity to, to manage themselves. And if we, are, if we are interfering with them, and then when we need help, we might become a burden also for, for themselves and for ourselves. And the other thing is, once we are safe, we can help others. But until we are safe, then, you know, everyone takes care of themselves, and then we help the weakest. That usually is the, the easiest way to, to do it. Then that also means taking the responsibility of understanding how to put on your mask, understanding if it's on properly or not, and then looking to help others. One of the issues with the child mindset is that we'll wonder if we're doing the right thing. We'll ask someone else to confirm if we're doing the right thing, to reassure us. And they might be just busy putting on their own mask and saying, listen, figure it out. Do your best. And, you know, if if it's a case of a plane crashing, it's really important that everyone is as independent as possible to avoid being a burden on others. Also, if we think going back in, in history when we were tribes living in caves, anyone who was a burden on the tribe ran a risk of getting ejected. So if someone is, you know, weaker than the others, that's okay, that happens, we take care of them, we protect them. If they are needlessly dependent on others and needy, then it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as being born with some kind of um, ailment that requires a bit more attention. If people are... Um, how should I put it, if they detract more than is necessary because of psychological reasons, then they're a burden on the tribe. And that's not good for the, for the, the survival of the tribe. They, they might be dependent because they need to be reassured, because they want attention. That's often the case. Uh, that's one thing to look for when people come to you for advice is, is to question, does this person really want to improve something? Or are they just looking for attention? This is one way, for instance, that narcissists and toxic people get into people's lives and manipulate them, is they want the attention. They act as though the other person can be their savior, can solve the problems for them, uh, and they can get people hooked. So really it's thinking, does this person want to improve something? And what can they, what are they doing? And also, how can we help people become as independent as possible? And that starts with us. How can we become as independent as possible, so we can avoid being a burden to others, first of all, and we can take responsibility for our life, and then maybe we can help others and inspire others to uh, be more independent in their own life. No, that's, that's not, not particularly easy to do, and is, is interesting, a series of interesting questions. So, um, anyone joining us, we're live now on Facebook, we're live on Instagram. And on Instagram, if you join, you can ask questions so I can react, which is much more, much more fun for, for me and for everyone else. Otherwise, just, just stay tuned. Uh, and like I mentioned, this is 
a short masterclass about navigating a life like an adult for the workshop I'll be giving this week, this Wednesday and this Saturday. So Wednesday at 6 p.m. Dubai time, Saturday at 10 a.m. Dubai time. You can check with Just Be for the conditions and for joining. I'd like to share a few tools that I think are really helpful because, oh yeah, of course I could, I could just do a whole series of marketing for this workshop. I don't think it's going to be very respectful of your time. Uh, I think that trying to tease you by saying, and we know all of this stuff, trying to tease you by saying, I will answer all of these questions during the, during the workshop is we, we know how it works. It's not respectful of your time. I like to share with you some tools. Now you'll see how I think you'll see the way I think. If you think this is helpful for you, then it's great. Then you can join. And if you think it's not helpful, then at least you'll know that it wasn't helpful. Uh, and then you're not joining. And so saving time, um, but you'll get a sense of how I work. The masterclass will be made available online afterwards. So you can always join later, but it's more fun when it's interactive. So when it comes to coaching, I'm sure a number of you have had some access to some form of self-help. So you've watched YouTube videos, you've followed courses, you might have worked with people. And maybe, this is a hypothesis, maybe you've come up with a following challenge when you work with, with coaches and when you find the self-help, is that there are a lot of interesting ideas uh, and you don't really see how to put the ideas together or they don't really make sense or they don't apply in every situation. And it can help, it can happen that we have the ideas and we, we want to apply them, but the situation doesn't quite fit into the ideas, the ideology. So we try to make it fit and it doesn't really feel right. It's a bit the, the metaphor of saying when you are armed with uh, a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. And that's often the case. And it happens that people specialize in one method and they want to apply it to everything. And you might know what it's like when you go and see a therapist and they say, well, my method is a solution for what you have. And it doesn't really feel right. It doesn't feel like it's helping or you try it and then you try for a while and it feels like you're not making any progress. Then with some people, they'll start blaming you by saying, if you're not making any progress, then maybe you're not doing it right. Um, and, uh, oh, we got someone joining on Instagram. Hi, welcome. Uh, live on Instagram, live on Facebook at the same time. Feel free to ask any questions if you, if you like. So, um, there are a few points that I think are really, really important when it comes to self-coaching. One is understanding a term which is normativity. Normativity is a term that we use in social sciences. So to be normative is to create a norm and follow a norm. A norm would be saying something is good or something is bad, for example. Something being good or something being bad is sometimes, usually, somewhat subjective. So is something a good policy or a good strategy? It depends. It depends. And it depends on something very specific. What is the goal? So what is the best way to deal with an unsatisfactory relationship? Well, it depends what your goal is. Is your goal to maintain the relationship? Is your goal to save the relationship no matter what? Or is your goal to live a life with as much truthfulness as possible, regardless of how unpleasant it is? Is your goal to be as comfortable as possible? 
Is your goal to appease your friends and family? Is your goal to avoid being lonely? Is your goal to stay in a relationship with one specific person? Is your goal to find someone you can dominate or someone who dominates you? Or is your goal to have a relationship that might be, might be fulfilling? Um, all of these questions, well, the answer is not always self-evident. So depending on the goal, you'll have a very different answer to what is the right behavior. Uh, I saw a video about someone asking, like, what, what are good ways to control your partner? And she was saying, well, you can belittle the person, you destroy their dreams, you, you basically, uh, yeah, manipulate them. If the goal is to keep somebody as being, um, let's say, submitted in an unhealthy relationship, that's a great strategy. If your goal is to have a healthier relationship, that's a terrible strategy. It all depends what the goal is. When it comes to goals, there's another tool I'd like to share with you. So uh, when I talk about goals, I'm not judging them. Just saying whatever the goal is, then, then define it. Uh, of course, if someone comes to me with the goal of manipulating someone, that goes against my ethical principles. So we'll talk about their goal, but I will not be helping them manipulate someone else because that's against my principles. So when we define goals, there's a very useful acronym to use, which is SMART. SMART stands for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-constrained. So when someone talks about, for example, improving their relationship, that is typically not a SMART goal. So improving their relationship what specifically? What specifically do they want to improve? Communication, you know, maybe. Uh, the time that's spent together, more meaningful time that is spent together. The more specific we are, the easier it is to be laser sharp when it comes to defining the right strategy and making sure we get results that actually make sense. And then measurable. Measurable is a really, really tricky one. Because how do you measure communication? So I'm going to share with you um, what, I, what I consider to be one of the most invaluable tips and tools. Um, and I'm just thinking about it because to just give you some context, I, somebody mentioned this in a workshop that I, that I purchased. The workshop was if I'm not mistaken, it was 300 euros uh, for a day. And I remember thinking with this idea alone, that the idea was worth multiples of that. And I've, I've, I've milked it, I've used it so much in so many ways. So the idea, the idea is the following. Uh, and you know, you'll, you'll see it makes sense. The idea is the following. You can't really compare communication with two different people. You can say with one person you can you communicate better than with the other, but that's not very helpful when you compare. It's like saying one fruit is more of a, a fruit than another one. So what you do is you rate it between zero and ten. You rate how much ten out of ten is, or you give it, you have an idea of what ten out of ten is. Zero out of ten is no communication, and then you say, just following your gut feeling, communication with this person currently is four out of ten. So some things are working and you can list the things that are working and some things are not working well enough. 
then you can say, well, four out of 10 is not good enough, but I'd like six out of 10 at least. So some things are missing. So you can then say, what is going to help you get from four to five and five to six specifically? Then above that, other things are nice to have. Now you might say you've got one person with four out of 10, another person with four out of 10. And the four out of 10 with the two are, have got different components, different elements, which is fine. It's, it's just give some kind of approximation. So if you say that you want to be having better communication and you're able to say, I'd like to go from four out of 10 to six out of 10, this is specifically what is missing. Then all of a sudden your goal of improving a relationship becomes much more specific and also more measurable. And you can say the relationship overall is at a three out of 10 communication is at four. If communication gets up to six, then the relationship improves. How you weigh this is up to you. That I'd argue is sort of irrelevant because we can, we can compare, we can use equations as much as we like. Sometimes all we do is we rate gut feeling and rating gut feeling might actually just be enough. So specific, measurable, attainable is the next one from SMART. Is it really attainable to have this person improve the communication so you go from four to six? Maybe. Maybe not. Depending on the person, is it really likely that it happens? Is the person interested? Is the other person committed enough to the relationship? If it is not the case, then maybe it is not an attainable goal. Maybe. So you want to, you want to, you want to establish this. And then the next point are relevant. Is it relevant? Well, is it relevant that better communication and a relationship improves the relationship? It seems relevant. Is it relevant that the other person spending more time doing activities that you like improves the relationship? Maybe not. If you enjoy, I don't know, let's say, let's say you enjoy hunting for whatever reason and your partner is not a hunter, is a vegan, and probably doing those activities together is not really relevant, not really helpful. Uh, if you want to be doing, spending more time watching TV, maybe that's not relevant. Maybe watching more TV is not going to help your relationship. But if it's something like communicating, talking more openly, being less afraid, um, understanding each other better, maybe that is relevant. It's a good question to ask, just to figure out. And then finally, time constrained. It's very important. Otherwise, you'll say, I'd like us to communicate better, but you're not putting a time limit. So if you're not putting a time limit, okay, by when? This is so important. I see so many couples who want to improve things. And you say, okay, so you want to improve things. Maybe it's going to work. How patient are you? And they go, well, I don't know. I'll give it a few months. And a few months can be a long time if the relationship is unhealthy can be a very long time. You know, maybe, maybe it's not real. If someone says, I want to, to improve in a few days, maybe that's not realistic, but maybe a few months is too long. But if we don't have some form of time constraint, we can't actually figure out if we are on track, on the right track or not. So sometimes people say, well, you know, my relationship or my satisfaction in life or whatever it might be is currently at three. I'd like to get to six or seven which seems like a long shot. So I'll give myself a year. Okay. 
we can give ourselves years, then what we do to, to give a little bit of structure to this is we create milestones and success and failure criteria. So a milestone might say, I'm currently at four out of seven in terms of satisfaction, uh, four out of 10. I'd like to get to seven in a year. So I'd like to, in the next three months, get up to four and then five and then six and then seven. If in three months time, I haven't hit four, I'll give it another three months. If in six months time, I haven't hit four, something isn't working. You know, maybe six months is, is the right time frame. Maybe not. If we don't have some idea of where we're going to, then we don't know if we're on the right track or not. We don't know if we're going fast enough or not. That's a big issue. If you, if you climb up a mountain, you roughly have an idea of how long it takes you to get to the top. If they say it's going to be, no, it's a small, smallish mountain. It takes you six hours. If after three hours, you've only done 20% of the climb instead of 50%, you know you're expecting a bit of an issue. So you probably won't be able to make it to the top and you won't be able to come back on time. That's something you want to be aware of when you're climbing to understand if you're actually managing this properly. And you might say, well, the first, the first, uh, you know, the first bit is difficult to do uh, and then it's going to go much faster. But if it isn't the case, you want to know it just so you can take the right decision. And of course, the right decision is getting you to the top and getting you back down safely, right? So smart tool is very, very, very helpful for understanding uh, where we're going. Now, I'd like to share a few more ideas with you. So first of all, any tool that we're using should be helpful. That's one thing. If it helps us make better decisions and act better and understand better, it is helpful. If it doesn't, it's not helpful. And then we don't use it. Any model that is overly simplistic, because it's overly simplistic, is not helpful. Because it's overly simplistic, it glosses over details. It can be that having a more simple model helps us I'll simplify and understand some form of reality. But then if, and this is the second part, if it is not accurate, it's not accurate. It's just polluting our mind. And we don't want it to pollute our mind. We want to be able to use it to be more accurate, make better decisions. It's like saying, I can have a rough outline of the map of the mountain just to make a large scale decision. And that's fine. I can use that, that rough outline. It's like if you want to navigate, you want to navigate Dubai, you don't need a map. And you, I mean, you have this with, with Google Maps. You can zoom in and zoom out. If you have some idea of where someone is, you don't need all of the details of every single street. You can simply zoom out, see where the other person is, understand the direction, and then you zoom in and you're able to get into a high level of detail. If you can't zoom into the map and you're trying to get from A to B, it's going to be really complicated. So you want to make sure that you're using a model that gives you a big picture and also a micro picture that helps you understand accurately what's going on. And accuracy is so important. Any model that is too binary and doesn't allow for granularity between extremes, it's like having a black and white photo with only black or white. 
and no, no shades of gray, no levels of gray. If you only have black or white, it's going to be pretty difficult to understand what the photo is. I mean, it might look cool. And um, I'm thinking of, uh, what is it, Audrey Hepburn and Breakfast at Tiffany's. Look wonderful. But if you want to actually understand somebody's face and what's going on, then that level of abstraction probably is not helpful, especially if you can't remove the level of abstraction and dive in deeper. So that's really important when you look for models. When you are using a model, and this is the, the last part I'll share with you today. When you're using a model of reality or coaching model or psychological model, like I mentioned before, think of normativity. You want to avoid anything being normative because then that's going to be guiding you. So one, one thing that I suggest you use is called suspension of judgment. In Greek, this was epoche. Suspension of judgment means if I observe something, it might not fit with my model, but if I observe it, I observe it. Judging it won't change what I observe, but judging it will cloud my capacity to think. So if I'm observing that uh, people act in a certain way, it might not go along with my model of reality, but if I prefer to stick to my model rather than the reality which I observe, I'll probably make some pretty bad decisions. At least decisions that are not based on reality, but are based on what I want to think and what I want to see. When we coach our life, it's, it's very, oh, when we're in our life, it's very tempting to want to act out the models that we have because it's really reassuring intellectually. But the real question is, what am I seeing? What am I, and when I do something, what result am I getting? And I observe the result and I don't judge it. I accept it the way it is. If I judge the results, it's the same as judging emotions, as judging other people. All this indicates is that I'm insecure and I can't accept reality. If I can't accept reality, I'm going to make bad decisions because I will be more, uh, more invested in being right than in actually accepting what reality is. So that's the same as saying, saying to someone who's angry, you shouldn't be angry. Like, who cares? This is, this is so, it's so judgmental. First of all, anything with should is really judgmental. And if you tell someone you shouldn't be angry, has that ever calmed anyone down? Just makes them more angry. So what is the goal? If the goal is to calm them down, that's a really not optimal strategy because it doesn't work. You could say, well, the person shouldn't be angry. It might be true. It still doesn't work. So there, what is the goal? Is the goal to calm the person down or is the goal to prove that I'm right? It seems like the goal is to prove that I'm right and that I know better. But if I go around life trying to prove that I'm right and that I know better than others and that my model is better than other people's, well, I probably won't end up with a lot of friends. Um, this is, it's, it's, it's so important to, to get this right. The model that I've created here with different... Uh, some, different schools and traditions and ideas. What I like about it is the flexibility that it, that it provides. We can formulate hypotheses. If the hypotheses are wrong, we take a step back and we say, well, the hypothesis didn't, didn't pan out the way I expected. Okay, so what do we do with it? If we can do something with it, we can question it, we can reformulate it, we can observe. It's not about us being right. It's about us being able to create a model that matches reality and helps us make better decisions, regardless of what reality shows us. 
So far, the model I use has been surprisingly robust. And to me, it's a 360 degree model that really so far has explained pretty much every interaction I've seen. Uh, it probably is improvable. So the more people who know it, the more likely it is with that together we can improve it. Uh, and one of the main things is that it is not dogmatic. So whatever reality shows, reality shows it. We integrate it, we think about it, we improve it, and it helps us make better decisions and usually accept reality far better. So if you're angry, you're angry. I'm not gonna argue with you, you're angry. I'd like to understand why you're angry, because maybe it's gonna be helpful. But if you don't want me to understand why, then you don't want me to understand why. How I react to that is my decision. You might not like my reaction, but that's the way, uh, like they say, that's the way cookie crumbles. That's the way it goes. Um, yeah, I think that I'm actually pretty much coming to an end of what I wanted to share with you. Um, this is a little bit of an introduction of the workshop that, we're gonna, that I'm going to give this Wednesday and Saturday. They'll be available for viewing online afterwards but I recommend joining the workshop because it's much, much more fun when we can have uh, live questions and answers. You get much more value from your time. So in this workshop, I will be explaining the model I use. Uh, I'll go more into depth in all of the tools that I just shared with you now. I'll be explaining the basics. I mean, if you want, look it up yourself. There's no secret here. I'll be explaining the basics of systemic psychology, transaction analysis, lie detection, positive psychology, and how all of these fit together, thrown in with a few, a few extra tools, talking about um, skeptic philosophy, uh, suspension of judgment, smart tools, self-coaching, and a few other things. Too many to mention. So maybe I'll see you soon. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to, to, to contact me. Uh, you can contact me up, I think it's on this side, let me see, there's a small delay. Yes, here we go. There we go. Here on Instagram or Facebook, that's my website. And if you want to take part in the workshop, then uh, contact Just Be. We will be posting this video. Um, I'm not sure where, if we probably do it on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and I'll put on my, my new YouTube channel. Um, that's slowly getting populated. So you're welcome to, to join to, um, to uh, what is it, to subscribe to the channel. I don't think I have any subscribers yet, but you're welcome to do that. You can always unsubscribe and I won't get upset, I promise. Uh, just like you can follow me and unfollow me if you don't like the content, I won't be upset. So thank you very much for watching. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for joining. And uh, if this was helpful, I'd suggest that you write down on paper just a few of the ideas that you found most helpful so you can remember them. Otherwise, there's a risk that we forget these things. And it's a good idea to build a little bit of a library, a book with the most helpful ideas that you can refer to that helps digest the ideas, use the ideas, uh, grow with the ideas, and um, yeah, build your, build your own philosophy. So yeah, here the, the idea being that I'll share with you some building blocks, some bricks that I've used that I think are remarkably robust. And that should be saving you considerable amount of time and energy and effort in the future. So there we go. Thank you very much for joining.
and hope to see you soon.